the mighty herds of buffalo have left the great plains of her make-believe ancestors, Elizabeth Warren has left her campaign to become the first fake Native American president. Warren buried her heart and announced she would fight no more forever as she walked away in a trail of tears and other Native American cliches. Left-wing pundits and other wastes of God's precious gift of life blamed Warren's defeat on the fact that she's a woman. On Knucklehead Row, the op-ed section of the New York Times, a former newspaper, Editor-in-Chief Blithering Prevarication III wrote a stinging column headlined, Now I Will Lie in Order to Promote Identity Politics. The headline was later changed when the editors realized Mr. III had just written that as a joke in a whimsical moment of truth-telling. The op-ed read in part, quote, It's true that at one point Democrat voters made Warren their frontrunner, but rampant and sudden sexism changed all that when she announced her unworkable and unaffordable health care plan and voters suddenly realized women can't do math or use reason. This disgusting prejudice has to stop so that a person without the ability to reason can become president. Otherwise, we're just going to keep electing Republicans, unquote. Other Democrat pundits lamented that we now probably won't get a female president in their lifetime. When it was pointed out that Nikki Haley could win the presidency in 2024, Democrats objected that Haley was not a woman, but a Republican. Then they retired behind closed doors to change the rules so that Tulsi Gabbard couldn't get into the next debate. Asked about the matter of sexism, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi said, quote, When people refer to me as the most powerful woman on earth, it almost makes me cry. That's that cackling noise you hear when I'm locked in the bathroom, dancing around the blood-drenched sacrifice with which I offered my soul to Satan in return for all this wonderful, wonderful power. Unquote. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. I know I harp on this often, but I really can't harp on it enough. Something has to be done about the American, the, the American news media. Or more accurately, since we can't and shouldn't want to violate the First Amendment, the American news media really has to do something about itself. Its unfairness is harmful. Its dishonesty is disgusting. And as we're seeing now with the coronavirus, its ability to spread panic and misinformation for leftist political purposes is really downright dangerous and destructive. As I've said from the beginning, the Wuhan virus is going to spread. That's what viruses do. Things will get worse before they get better. So far, we don't know that much about what that'll look like or how bad it'll get. President Trump seems to be doing as well as a president can in these situations, and the media has attacked him every step of the way and trumpeted each new case of the disease as if it were a catastrophe in and of itself. When the virus broke and Trump restricted travel from China and other countries, he was condemned for making the situation worse. We'll talk about that more later. Of course, that was the right thing to do. Trump told Sean Hannity on Fox that the death rate from the virus was probably nowhere near the 2 or 3% number people were brooding about. He was deemed an idiot until it turned out he was probably right, and the American death rate may turn out to be as low as 0.1%. His appointment of the calm and competent Vice President Pence to head the virus team has been met with floods of lies about Pence's beliefs, abilities, and his record. 
And by the way, when is the media going to start appreciating how far-sighted Trump was about the dangers of globalization and open borders and the Chinese supply train, chain in a situation like this? Our president is eccentric and loudmouthed, and he doesn't always say the right thing. But it's been a tremendously successful presidency so far, and there's no reason to think his team can't handle this as well as it can be handled. Relentless media attacks on him meant to help Democrats are shameful. They hurt the economy and they help spread panic and do nothing to help anybody. Here's the irony. Trump is a salesman with a tendency toward carnival barker exaggeration, but he has been far, 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 not to mention far, more honest than, say, the New York Times and all their imitators with their Russian collusion, obstruction of Congress, Ukrainian corruption, lies upon lies upon lies. Even Congress, which hasn't done anything for anybody in 40 years, managed to lay aside partisanship for a couple of moments to pass an overblown emergency funds bill to deal with the virus. Is it too much to ask that the media just cover the story as it unfolds and stop covering the neurotic, hate-powered, self-induced hysteria in their own imaginations? Do the people who run the media have no shame? Do they have no patriotism? Do they have no decency? Can they not look at themselves and assess their flaws and reform from time to time like other grown men and women? Donald Trump is a great big character. He has great big virtues and he has great big flaws. History will judge him more clearly than we can. He's not always a nice guy, but I will tell you this for sure. Judged on his accomplishments, he's a better man than a lot of the people who hate him. And since they hate him so much, they might think about changing the way they behave. We're going to talk about all this and cover this incredible uh, dishonesty in the press, which is causing panic, especially in the markets. But first, let us talk about First Leaf. I like wine, and I like to try new wine, and I don't always do that. It's just easy if I'm running into the store to just grab the wine I always like. But with First Leaf, you can try a lot and really find out more about what you're drinking. You get started by taking the First Leaf wine quiz to assess your exact wine drinking preferences. Then they create an introductory six pack of wine just for you. It's just $29.95, which is pretty good for six uh, bottles of wine. That's $29.95 for bottles that would probably go for 20 bucks a piece. When my bottles, when my bottles arrived, I tasted it. And then I went online and I sent them my ratings and then they could fashion another batch of wine that was more tailored to my taste. It just got better and better and better. Sign up with my link and you'll get an exclusive intro offer. Six bottles of wine for only $29.95 plus free shipping. Just go to just go to tryfirstleaf.com slash Andrew. That's six bottles of wine for only $29.95 plus free shipping at try, T-R-Y, firstleaf.com slash Andrew. It's good stuff. You'll like it. Just for a minute, let us take a sampling of CNN's coverage of the coronavirus. This is cut 16. This administration has a war on science, often for political reasons, but it should still shock you that Trump slashed the government agencies that would have been responsible for handling an outbreak. Some of the criticism coming at the White House is that they have been cutting positions. Your position that you held on the National Security Council, for example, are you concerned that this is impacting their response? Is he worried that more about you know his, his best case for re-election than the real health threat here? Is the president misleading the American people about the virus and the outbreak? Given uh, Vice President Pence's history as governor dealing with a recent public health crisis, is he the best equipped to lead this effort at the White House? Do you think that he's the right point person? Is no. that the right way to handle no. a deadly this epidemic? Is, here's the thing, Mr. President. Pandemics don't care about politics. This is this is uh, the media research, our friends at media research. They took one day, February 27th, and analyzed it. They found that 
with 82 invited guests, uh, hosts asked about the epidemic. 60% of their questions were to criticize, they were asking people to criticize the Trump administration's handling of the epidemic. This is even when they were just medical specialists, like they, they were supposed to be in on that. A guy named Yossi Gestetner, he's a marketer, he uh, has a Twitter thread, and he put out on Twitter this thread saying, a few weeks before coronavirus officially spread in January to other countries, the Trump administration announced travel restrictions on China. Here's some of the reporting it generated. Take Politico of 2-4 of February 4th, uh, 2020. The Trump admins quarantine and travel ban in response to the Wuhan coronavirus could undercut international efforts to fight the outbreak by antagonizing Chinese leaders, as well as stigmatizing people of Asian descent. I mean, that was their coverage of it. And now that they did this again and again. And now Politico's Dan Diamond is tweeting that Trump's initial coronavirus moves were widely hailed as strong and appropriate response. So not only did they lie about what was happening at the time, but they lied about lying about it. Over at MSNBC, Chris Hayes has started a trend on Twitter where he's complaining that just calling it the Wuhan virus is racist. So from now on, I'm calling it the yellow peril. I think that'll be much better. You know, when the media is talking about racism, you know that Trump is obviously doing a good job. We're going to take a closer look at this. It really is. It's depressing. It's disgusting. I think it's going to cost them in the long run when all this is over. All right. Let us stop for just a moment to talk about our friends at Rock Auto. I always love to say Rock Auto. It's my favorite thing to say. It's one of my favorite ads because I just love to say rockauto.com. The next time your car needs parts, instead of going down to the car parts store and asking somebody who knows no more than you do to look at their computer, look at your computer and just say rockauto.com. Probably you don't have to say it, but you can just go to rockauto.com. They always offer the lowest prices possible. They have uh, an excellent selection of anything you're going to need for any car you want. Uh, Engine control models, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. And that for a car that is your kind of baby that you keep in the garage just to look at or what you drive around every day or just an old uh, clunker, you will find the part you need at Rock Auto for good prices. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car and truck and write Clavin in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you. And I know what you're saying. You say rockauto.com is fun to say, but Clavin is hard to spell. How do you spell Clavin? That's just what I was going to say. Uh, all right. So the virus, the, you know, the virus is, it's, is getting worse, obviously. Uh, it's, it's got confirmed cases outside China have tripled over the past week. The markets are an absolute turmoil and free fall. Everybody is panicking. Uh, Trump sent out a, um, a tweet today saying last year, 37,000 Americans died from the common flu. It averages between 27,000 and 70,000 per year. Nothing is shut down. Life and the, the economy go on. At this moment, there are 546 confirmed cases of coronavirus with 22 deaths. Think about that. And of course, you know, this is the, this is obviously the case. We don't know what this is going to do. We don't know how bad it's going to get, how far it uh, will 
spread and how fast it'll spread. We just don't know. And so all of the talk, even the talk about, you know, these kind of uh, solemn, somber Twitter threads about how good we're going to have to be to one another, how nice we're going to have to be to one another. We don't even know if we're going to have to be nice to one another. So don't get ahead of yourself. Don't start being nice to anybody before it's time, right? You don't want to hold that, keep that in, uh, in reserve. So there's a ship. There was a ship off the coast of California, one of these cruise ships. People had the coronavirus, so they held it up, quarantined it, sent people out there and all this. The Surgeon General goes on Jake Tapper's show. <laughs> Here, let's, let's play the first Jake Tapper cut. I think it's cut 13, asking him about keeping this ship off uh, shore. I think it's going to dock in Oakland soon, and they're going to get everybody off. But they kept it offshore to find out what was going on and, and assess the situation. Here's Tapper's question. Is the president's desire to artificially keep the numbers low by keeping Americans who are off the coast out of the United States is that desire impacting health decisions to help save these Americans who have coronavirus or who could possibly have it? Well, I don't want to play politics here, but I do want to say I've been in the Situation Room every day. When the president comes in, he makes it clear that he wants the best advice from his health experts. As far as the cruise ships are concerned, our priorities are, number one, making sure people who are on those cruise ships and who need medical attention can get it. And we've flown people off the ships. We've flown CDC teams into the ships to help. Number two, we want to get people off the ships as quickly and as safely as we can. And number three, we want to protect our communities. And that's a delicate balance that requires the cooperation of many different partners, Department of Defense, Coast Guard, mm -hmm. and others. But again, we want to make sure we're taking care of those people on the ship in a way that protects them, but also protects community. Okay, so, so remember, this is the Surgeon General of the United States, obviously a highly, highly competent and intelligent guy. He starts out by saying, I don't want to get uh, uh, political about this, but this is what's going on. He's in the meetings every single day, right? He is the guy who is sitting in the meetings every single day. And he says, I don't want to get political, but all I know is we're doing the best we can. And obviously, obviously, that's the case at this point. I'm not even seeing anything coming out of the Trump. You know, Trump is trying to do his best to keep people calm. Trump is Trump. He's going to say things. He's going to say things clumsily. He's going to get annoyed. He's going to politic and all that stuff. But the team that's in there that's actually handling this seems to do a good job. It's not even a smart question. This is the thing. It's not, Tapper's not even asking a, a smart question. Of course you hold the ship offshore until you've got an assessment of the situation. Of course you do. You're not holding it up because then you cannot count those people. That is just an absurd question. But he won't let it go. Play the second clip. I understand you don't want to get into politics, but can you assure the American people that decisions are not being made just because the president wants to keep the numbers low as opposed to helping Americans? I mean, that's what he said directly. He, he doesn't want to bring them in because the number will double. That's not a medical decision. That's a public relations decision. Well, what I can say to you is based on my experience being on the task force for about a week and a half and being in that situation room every day, that the medical input is taken. Uh, Tony Fauci, uh, Ambassador Burks. Bob Cadillac, myself, Ben Carson, you have multiple doctors in the room and our voices are in no way, shape or form suppressed. As a matter of fact, the vice president usually starts and ends by saying, doctors, is there anything that I need to hear that I'm not hearing? That, that, so that's what Mike Pence is. And Mike Pence comes directly from his daily sacrifice, a human sacrifice of a gay person, because, you know, that's we watch the press. We know that's what he does in his spare time. You know, he, he tortures and kills gay people in his spare time, comes in, and says to the doctors in the room, tell me what's going on. Uh, he's doing what doing what he should be doing. Do, and, and, you know, again, again, I'm not trying to, like, play anything down. But first of all, if anybody's going to die from that thing, 
it's me, right? Like <laughs> I'm older, I've got bum lungs, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure I'm the guy who'll be taken out by it. But but still, still, what's happened so far has not been a cause for panic when you compare it to the flu. Anywhere, anywhere, it has not, it has not been a cause for panic anywhere. It seems to be spreading in, in Italy. Uh, they've shut down the top, like it's like a third of the country, like 16 million people have restricted travel. And they may, who knows, it, it may get so serious in Italy, they may even have to form a government. Uh, that would be a real break with tradition. But, you know, I'm not saying it's not spreading and I'm not saying it won't, uh, it won't be bad to get. Although it does seem, you know, it does seem Ted Cruz said that he actually shook the hand of somebody at CPAC who is now said to ha- have had it. Um, and he ha- he hasn't gotten it. He usually usually contracted after five or six days. It's now ten days, I think, since that happened, and he hasn't gotten it. So maybe it's uh, not as easy to spread as all that. Obviously, uh, Knowles has been um, Knowles has been associating with uh, Cruz during doing that show, The Verdict. Uh, so we did take Knowles out and shoot him. It was like it was like old Yeller, you know, just putting him out of his misery. But other than that, you know, it was just a, yeah, no, it was come just, on, man. It was just just a just a uh, precaution. It was a health precaution. But this is the thing that gets me. This is what is really going on, and it really bothers Here's Chuck Todd with a guest from uh, the Washington Post. I, I can't remember his name, but he's, he's a reporter from the Washington Post. This is Chuck Todd fantasizing that this may be the thing that finally, finally destroys Donald Trump. He's just, you can just see the dreams in these guys' eyes, right? We, why didn't it happen before? We've been doing everything we could to get this hysteria going. I've explained how this works, the idea of all these stories about Trump, the constant hysteria, the constant scandal, good morning is a scandal, hello is a scandal, nice day is a scandal, whatever Trump says is a scandal. And the point is to gin up this feeling, this feeling of hysteria, this feeling that things are going wrong so that when something does go wrong, because over the course of four years, something will go wrong, it will seem like the straw that breaks the camel's back. And you can just see this. Listen to Chuck Todd and this guy from the Washington Post talk this out. Matt, you and I were talking about that, and we were talking about just before the break, it, what the Iran hostage crisis was in the yeah. final year of Carter's presidency. Not his fault, but it's, it's a test in real time. And this is what this is, seems to be. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing. It's what you guys are talking about, right? It's one thing when all the Republicans in Washington say, hey, he says some crazy stuff on tax policy or this or that, but we, we've got it handled. It's a different thing when the president is out there leading publicly in a crisis like this and people are are seeing it in real time taking their cues from it there is you know there is a certain capacity for chaos in american voters they don't like chaos they don't like uncertainty the markets don't like it the voters don't like it we don't like it in our daily lives i'm frankly surprised that the exhaustion from that chaos has been as slow in coming as it has in the american Mm -hmm. public but this does hold the potential if it goes badly to become a kind of jimmy carter like scenario where the public just says can't wake up with this anxiety every day we got to have some kind of leadership that was there. They said the quiet part out loud, not bias his name. They said the quiet part out loud. You know, why hasn't the we've done everything we can to make this administration look chaotic? Or they, you know, he was he was impeached for crying out loud. Of course, he was impeached for nothing. The Russian then there was the Russian collusion. Oh, yeah, that didn't exist. All of this stuff has only existed in the, in the press. They expect us to be panicked and to be in this state of constant uh, turmoil and chaos and thinking, oh, my, the country. Meanwhile, 
Everybody has a job. We haven't gone to war. We haven't started any new wars. Trump is dialing down the old wars. Things are going quite well. And Trump is a big figure, as I say. You know, he does what he does. He's a showman, all of that. So he's just as good at the press as getting this stuff going. But the press has been keeping it going. And now maybe, maybe it's the it's the Carter moment. And I love, I love that little injection that it wasn't Carter's fault what happened in Iran, the Iranian hostage crisis. Yes, it was. Oh, yes, it was. He mishandled Iran so badly. He mishandled the Shah. He didn't see the Shah's end coming. He gave the Shah sanctuary, making the new leadership furious. He was absolutely incompetent. And that hostage situation was his fault, as you could tell by the fact that the minute Reagan became president, it was over. It ended. It was uh, Carter was a tremendously idealistic and incompetent guy. He was a guy like Obama who had ideas that didn't describe the real world, but he did react a little better, like he would change his mind from time to time, like he realized the Soviets were bad. Obama never changed his mind, but it was his fault. So it was just a complete fantasy, little, little fantasy uh uh, portion of the Chuck Todd show, which may be the whole Chuck Todd show for all I know. But you just see them fantasizing that finally, finally, finally with this, we've got them. And if a couple of Americans have to die, if the economy has to crash to get it done, hey, as long as we get Donald Trump, it'll all be worth it. It really is depressing. All right. Let us talk about Blink Sale. It is a way to take care of your invoicing. And this is something that's very near and dear to my heart because I know it is very easy to do work, send the work in and not get paid. And then like a couple of months go by and you think like, hey, you know, I did the work. You never paid me. And they say, oh, well, you didn't invoice us. You didn't invoice us. This will take care of that problem. Billing, accounting, staying organized, no matter how good you are at what you do, no one's graded at it all of the time. That's where BlinkSale comes in. BlinkSale makes it easy to send professional invoices and track payments. In just a few seconds, you can create invoices, send them to clients, and keep up with them until they get paid. Forget about using invoice templates or stressing about coordinating a bunch of different software programs. BlinkSale takes care of it all. Less time worrying about billing means more time focusing on the work that actually gets you paid. I could use this. I'm going to I'm going to try this myself and you should see for yourself. Try BlinkSale for free at blinksale.com. That's b l i n k s a l e.com for free. BlinkSale spend less time billing and more time doing what you love. All right. So let us talk the the funny thing is, is even if they destroy Trump, the problem the Dem- the Democrats have now is that they're running an idiot against a communist idiot. I mean, that's the situation that they are in. They have now got this down. I mean, Tulsi Gabbard is still ostensibly in the race, but she's not going anywhere. They have got these two candidates, uh, Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. And we'll talk about them each, but Bernie Sanders has revealed himself to be a complete a communist. I mean, he really is. There's a new story out about him that I'll tell you in just a second that is absolutely hilarious. And Biden, I'm sorry, the guy is in decline. He is not the man he was six months ago. So here uh, um, at Grabian, they put together uh, just a little montage of the two of them uh, talking. So here, interchangeably, here is here is what's left of the Democrat campaign for president. Biden, I'm a Democratic candidate for the United States Senate. Look me over. If you like what you see, help out. If not, vote for the other by. Give me a look, though, okay? 
And everybody was totally convinced that Castro was the worst guy in the world. All the Cuban people were going to rise up in rebellion against Fidel Castro. They forgot that he educated their kids, gave them health care, totally transformed the society. All right, Chuck. Thank you very much. Uh, all right. Uh, it's Chris, but I mean, anyway. Chris. I just did Chris. No, no, I, I, I just did Chuck. In fairness to China and its leadership, is if I'm not mistaken, they have made more progress in addressing extreme poverty than any country in the history of civilization. Right here in the state of North South Carolina. Here in California, I mean here in Nevada. In Des Moines, I'm I'm in Dubuque. In the state of Ohio, I mean Iowa. For some reason or other, being very excited when when Fidel Castro made the revolution in Cuba. They better better pray. These people who hate Donald Trump, they better pray that they don't succeed in destroying Donald Trump. They better pray the coronavirus doesn't doesn't bring him down and that the economy recovers. Because if this is really their if they think that they are going to run the country with either of these two guys and not destroy their party and the country to boot, they are out of their minds. There is a story about Bernie Sanders making the rounds, a guy named Alan Gross. And this is six years ago. Okay, this is not that long ago. Alan Gross was uh, went over to uh, Cuba and he was he worked for the U.S. Agency for International Development. He was a contractor for them. And they arrested him saying that he was trying to bring democracy into the country. He maintained that he was helping a small community of Jewish Cubans connect with the Jewish diaspora. Cuba maintained that he was part of a U.S. democracy project, right? That's what they were afraid of in Cuba. So they tried to get him out. They couldn't get him out. He was in prison for more than four years. Three U.S. senators, Bernie Sanders, uh, uh, Heidi, uh, Heidi Heitkamp, and John Tester of Montana, all Democrats, right? They go over, well, I guess Bernie's not a Democrat. They go over to visit him and they're talking to him. And Gross told this story on Facebook. They're talking to him and Sanders says to him, I don't see what's so wrong with this country. The guy is imprisoned in Cuba and Bernie can't see what was so wrong with this country. And this, this is really who he is. And it's funny, you know, there is something almost touching, almost endearing about his the true belief of it all. The fact that he's not making it up. He's not like the, a lot of the Democrats who just say stuff about stuff, but they don't really mean it. He I think of it, communism but... when I think of Bernie. <laughs> I can't imagine why. The guy is such a commie. The Swedes were uh, were writing about if if you want to, he said something about the Swedish model of socialism. The Sweden, Sweden tried socialism and it almost destroyed the country. And now they're actually more free market than we are. I mean, they're, Sweden actually has more free market stuff than we are. And they said, you know, if you're going to be, if you're going to have Swedish socialism, you're going to have to get a lot more free market. So Bernie is now complaining because every socialist is a victim, right? That's the problem. That's why they've got to steal your money because they've been so mistreated. Bernie is now complaining that the establishment has ganged up on him. Uh, This is cut number 10. Establishment put a great deal of pressure on Pete Buttigieg, uh, on Amy Klobuchar, who ran really aggressive campaigns. I know both of them. They work really, really hard. But suddenly, right before Super Tuesday, they announced their withdrawal. If they had not withdrawn from the race before Super Tuesday, which is kind of a surprise to a lot of people, I suspect we would have won in uh, Minnesota. We would have won in Maine. We would have won in Massachusetts. The turnout may have been a little bit different. 
So, so that's like just complaining about politics, right? The, the, he's right. I mean, he's right. The establishment doesn't want him, but they couldn't have stopped him without the voters, right? They didn't force the voters to vote uh, against him. They was really, it was black women mostly who just said, yeah, we don't want this. This is not a good thing for us. We're going with Biden. We trust him. He was uh, part of, <laughs> what was he part of? Let's find out from Joe Biden himself. What was the name of his administration? nominated Democrat, a lifelong Democrat, a proud Democrat, an Obama Democrat. Join us. <laughs> I know. He's no Biden Obama Democrat. He's no Biden. Well, that's that's on a good day. But here, Obama actually forgets Obama's name. Listen to this. Because they invaded another country and annexed a significant portion of it called Crimea. Right. He's saying that it was President, my boss, it was his fault. <laughs> my boss. He can't remember Obama's name. I mean, this is his whole campaign is that Obama is the guy. Uh, boy, oh boy. I mean, this this really is something. There's one that was, this is kind of interesting because it made the round rounds on Twitter. Let me, let me play it for you first. This is the one where he's actually, he is actually using a teleprompter. This is Joe Biden reading off a teleprompter. Well, you take a listen. The nominee will bring this party together, who will run a progressive, positive campaign and turn, turn this primary from a campaign that's about negative attacks into one about what we're for, because we cannot get reelect. We cannot win this reelection. Excuse me. We can only reelect Donald Trump if, in fact, we get engaged in this circular firing squad here. Sleepy Joe Biden, who has no clue what the hell he's doing. <laughs> so, so Trump retweeted this. They put it out say, saying we can only elect Donald Trump. And they put it out on Twitter and they cut off the rest of that. What he says, is we can only elect Donald Trump if we go into the circular firing squad. That's what he was trying to get out. So Twitter used its new policy of marking this as a manipulated video. OK, when Trump retweeted it. I have to say that I think like it was it was only merciful to manipulate the video. The guy the guy has a serious problem and it's gotten worse and it's getting worse in front of our eyes. He's always been a stutterer. He's always been an idiot. You know, he's always he's never been he has never been a smart guy. But, I, you know, I guess he was smart enough to do what he had to do to get back into uh, Senate, the Senate. So he was at least good as a politician, uh, certainly as a retail politician. Everybody loves Joe. But. Something is happening to him. And I, you know, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what it is, but it's getting it's gotten worse in the time that like in the last six weeks, in the last two months or so, it has just gotten worse. And eventually, you know, you can talk about uh, you can talk about, oh, they're trying to sell the idea now that it would be cruel. It would be cruel to talk about, you know, this problem that he has. But let's listen for a minute about the way they talk about Trump. The mind of Donald Trump, which is filled with things that are not true, that he spews both publicly and privately. You're not presidential at all, period. You're mentally unwell. You engage in bizarre, irrational, self-defeating behavior. Saying the president's yeah. mentally unwell and needs to resign. There's such the, the severe mental decline going on. Is Trump mentally unfit to be president? Both the strangeness of the policy positions and the strangeness of the president's public behavior and public words. Their, quote, duty to warn the world about Trump's mental instability must supersede professional neutrality. 
So they're going to have a really hard time selling. That was one of those guys, and there was Brian Stelter, who's now saying how mean Fox is being about pointing out Biden's decline. If there's one place where Bernie may have a gripe, where he may have a legitimate gripe about the way things are being handled by the establishment is the fight they're having as they go into they go into Michigan and Michigan was the place that really sparked Bernie's campaign last time. This time he's not doing as well in the polls. And if he loses it, it could really be a big, big uh, dent in his campaign. But they've changed. They're trying to change the format for the next debate, which is in Arizona. And this is they're going to change it so that they're sitting down and answering questions from the crowd as opposed to standing during the debate and answering questions from actual moderators. So it does sound like they're trying to make things a little easier on old Joe, old Uncle Joe. You know, they're going to say things slow. His nurse will be there. She'll be able the nurse will be allowed to answer questions for him if he forgets who he is or anything like that. So it'll be a little easier for him. And Bernie's complaining about this. And I think that's a legit complaint. I let him let him debate if he's going to be president of the United States. He has got to be able to debate. And this idea that he's going to sit debates out, I don't I just don't believe it. You start sitting debates out and you're done. The public watches, the public knows the people who are doing who vote in the primaries are the people who really pay attention. Not going to happen. Those are their candidates. If they get rid of Donald Trump, that's what they'll be stuck with. They better not be in such a big hurry to get rid of Donald Trump. All right. Don't forget, there is only one week. I I sound like uh like Joe Biden at this point. There's there's only one week left to get 25% off all Daily Wire membership plans using coupon code NEVERSOCIALIST. This is a real deal, so you won't have to call me a lying dog-faced pony soldier. You're a Daily lying dog-faced members- pony soldier. <laughs> I, I, I may be a lying dog-faced Daily Wire members get an ad-free website experience, access to all of our live broadcasts and show library. You get my show, and the full three hours of the Ben Shapiro show, access to the mailbag, so all your problems will be solved. And now, exclusive election insight op-eds from Shapiro himself. Daily Wire members also get to ask us questions live, like many of you saw in our Super Tuesday coverage on Backstage. Along with all of this, of course, you get the magnificent, the irreplaceable, the singular leftist tears tumbler gotten from, we get the, this black gold from a mine uh, run by dwarves from Lord of the Rings, and then they shape it into that cup. I, I have no idea what I'm saying anymore. If you already download the Daily Wire app, you'll love the Daily Wire app. That's one of the best things in the, uh, in the program. Again, that's 25% off on Daily Wire memberships for all plans using coupon code NEVERSOCIALIST. This is the last week we'll be giving you this offer. So act now before you regret it, like the Supreme Court justices giving decisions that Chuck Schumer doesn't like. Also, go over to Amazon, get The Nightmare Feast, the second book in the Another Kingdom trilogy. You will love it. You really will. It's a beautiful book, and it's a great book to read. Go over and get it, and then come over to dailywire.com. All right, talking about the dishonesty of the press, and I say, well, you know, it really, it really does surprise me. It shocks me that people in the press never really take stock of themselves. I mean, it, 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 even though I, I don't have any respect for Chuck Todd, he is a human being, right? He's not, he's not like an animal. There's no reason he can't say, you know, 
I'm not really being fair. It's not really fair to go and meet the press and just hammer one side and praise the other and and strategize with people on air about how to defeat Trump and how to win for the Democrats. That's not serving the public. That is not what I'm supposed to be doing. You would think that even if he wouldn't do that, you would think his bosses would come in after a while and say, you know, your ratings stink. Nobody's get, getting anything out of this. It's what we're doing is bad for the country. Let's change. But, but, over at the New York Times, they are reassessing. They are taking stock. So let's head over to their op-ed page, Knucklehead Row. Oh, hey, 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 ho. Let's go and down to Knucklehead Row. What Bernie Sanders gets right about the media, <laughs> that's the name of this article. It's by their, uh, by their media writer, Ben Smith. And he comes in, Bernie Sanders comes in, and he's complaining that the media doesn't treat him fairly. And he says the senator's sweeping critique of coverage has more merit than we in the media like to admit. See, this is the problem with the media. They're just too right wing. The media is just, they just favor you know, uh, right wing candidates. They're so nice to Republicans. It's just a problem. And you know what, what Bernie says basically is that the pro- he knows what the problem with the media is. It's capitalist. They're out for profits. And one of his spokes, uh, people, actually it's Crystal Ball, a former MSNBC host, says Trump knew how to weaponize that capitalistic greed against the media, whereas Bernie's approach has just been to build other channels. And he talks about stuff he's doing on YouTube, stuff that conservatives have had to do because they haven't had a voice in the media, not because it's capitalist, but because it's dishonest. It's dishonest. That's why. And so that's what they're, that's really what they're complaining about. They're complaining about the fact that the media is just too right wing. Hillary Clinton, remember Hillary Clinton? She used to, I don't know what she used to do. I think she was, I can't remember. She she was wanted for something. She left the States, is hiding out. I don't know. Anyway, Fareed Zakaria had her on. It was one of those things where she was sat in shadow and they, you know, digitalized her voice so no one would know where she was because the feds are looking for her. Uh, But this is is the question Fareed Zakaria asks. He asks about an article uh, that attacked her on Super Tuesday. There was an article in Vox, I don't know if you saw it, on Super Tuesday, mm. on Facebook, the single most searched uh, article, uh, the, the single most mm-hmm. uh, searched news topic was Hillary Clinton's emails. That's right. I saw that. Mm-hmm. Think, what do you think about, about it? Well, I'll tell you what I make of it, is that Fox and the sort of right-wing echo chamber has mastered Facebook, aided and abetted, might I say, by Facebook. So... I read that article, and what that said to me was, here at Super Tuesday, the Democrats are trying to decide who they want to nominate against Donald Trump. The coronavirus is spreading. We now have more and more reports from different places in the country. But led by Fox News and Breitbart and others, it's going to be about my emails, a a totally you know, bogus, finished, nonsense uh, attack on me. <laughs> that's, that's pretty amazing. I mean, it's, it's not amazing, I guess, coming from Hillary Clinton, but it's coming from all of them. This idea, this constant obsession with Fox News. If Fox News didn't exist, Brian Stelter would be out of a job. All he does is complain about Fox News. All he does is complain that Fox News said this and Fox News said that. And, the you know, complaining about Breitbart and complaining. These are, this is rebel media. 
people, even people like us, we're a very successful outlet, but we're still rebel media. The Daily Wire is still on the outside of the mainstream media. I mean, these are big guns. NBC, ABC, CBS, these are big guns. These are the places that people turn to for the news a lot. And New York Times still dominates every newspaper office in the country, almost every news agency. Every news agency gets the budget from the New York Times. It comes over their machine and they look at what the New York Times is covering. And that's how they know what's important. This happens all over the country. It happens all the time. These are very, very powerful outlets. The only thing that is powerful about Fox News or the Daily Wire or Breitbart is that we're giving a different point of view. And some of us, I think, who are dedicated enough to at least not lying, that we're giving a more direct point of view. We're at least explaining our logic. We're not pretending. I'm not sitting here pretending to be an objective news person. You know, I mean, (laughs) unbelievable. Now, this is Mike Bloomberg's advisor, Tim O'Brien, Obviously, one of Donald Trump's strategies, if Joe Biden turns out to be the nominee, is right now, it looks like he will be, is to go after Hunter Biden and the corruption. So this is on MSNBC, so at least it's openly left wing. But Mike Bloomberg's advisor, Tim O'Brien, shoots a warning shot over Trump's bow, uh, basically saying, do that, boy, you go after Hunter Biden and we're coming after your family. You know, the Trump family are epic grifters, and this goes back generations. Fred Trump made his money by intersecting with both the federal government and state government Mm -hmm. in in New York. Uh, Donald came up through New York, intersecting with local government and Mm -hmm. in Atlantic City. They've gone now. They are now in the White House and all of them are dipping their faces Mm -hmm. into the till. Uh, and if the Republicans really want to make an issue mm-hmm. out of Hunter Biden, which is very low hanging fruit that I don't think most Democratic voters care about anyway, sure. there is going to be a scorched earth response mm-hmm. aimed at all of the Trump children that is unlike anything they've experienced thus far in the media. All right. So that so that's a th- that's a threat that he's making, hoping that gets, you know, the, the Trump administration hears that and decides, oh, we won't go after Hunter Biden because Hunter Biden obviously uh, is a weak target. Here is Donald Trump Jr. talking on the Axios show on HBO. I haven't benefited from my father's taxpayer funded office. Okay, Hunter Biden, his father becomes VP. All of a sudden he goes over to the Ukraine and he's making 83 grand a month. So, you know, the media likes to do this sort of false equivalence. You you're doing this, you're doing that. We stopped doing any new international business deals when my father won the presidency. So, you know what would be great? I'll let you host it. You moderate a debate between Hunter Biden and myself. Come on. Let's do it. No, no. Seriously. We, we can go full, full transparency. We show everything. And we can talk about all of the places where I'm supposedly grifting, but Hunter Biden isn't. So that's pretty, that's pretty out there. You know, that's pretty aggressive. I, I believe he would show up. I believe he would do it. And I think the problem that the press has, it always has, is they are so deluded. They are so deluded about what their problems are that they are wrapped up in, in their own lies. I mean, I, again, a lot of these guys, when they come out and say we're not biased, I don't think they're lying. I think they just, everyone they know has the same opinion. So they think that it's the truth. I mean, that's what I, I would think if I were surrounded by people, only by people who agree with me, if I didn't have to watch NBC and ABC and CBS and read the New York Times and know that there are people who disagree with me, I might think that every word out of my mouth, every opinion I had was in fact a fact. Every suspicion I had was going to be confirmed. 
I think if they walk into this, they will walk into a buzzsaw. You know, Donald Trump Jr. says before that clip that we played, he says, I know I've benefited from having the name Trump. That is one thing, but I haven't benefited from his taxpayer funded job. I think the reason they can't the reason they can't reform is because they won't hire people who disagree with them. That's it. That's it entirely. They won't put people in power who disagree with them. They will not put people with editorial power and disagree with them who disagree with them. If they would hire 40 percent of people in power, in editorial power who support Trump, they would change instantly. All right. A final reflection. You probably have heard of this, that um, Woody Allen, the Hachette Book Group, was going to bring out the memoir by Woody Allen, apropos of nothing. And of course, Hachette has a, an imprint that also published uh, Ronan Farrow's book. And Ronan, Ronan, Ronan Farrow was the son of Mia Farrow and Woody Allen, though he looks strangely like Frank Sinatra, but Ronan Farrow is the son of Mia Farrow and Woody Allen. And in Ronan Farrow's book about the Me Too and the uh, Harvey Weinstein of it all, he talks about the fact that he didn't support his sister, who in the course of this divorce, this very, very ugly divorce between Mia Farrow and Woody Allen, claimed that Woody Allen had uh, abused her, had sexually abused her when she was very little. And Allen completely denies this. The, here's, I'll read a little bit of uh, Roger Kimball wrote about this in the Wall Street Journal. He says, the facts are somewhat murky. The state attorney declined to pursue the case despite announcing that he had probable cause to do so. A judge denied Mr. Allen's claim for custody, cast doubt on a report. There was a report out of Yale that said uh, the daughter was not sexually abused by Mr. Allen. Uh, the, the judge denied that and cast doubt on the Yale report. He wrote that we will probably never know what happened. Mr. Allen's behavior was grossly inappropriate. But the point is, he was never convicted of anything. He was never charged with anything. There was an allegation against him. So Ronan Farrow said, oh, you cannot publish this guy's memoir. They had already accepted it, already contracted for it. And some of the workers at Hachette walked out. The minute I saw this, I thought they're going to cave. They're going to cancel the memoir. And they did, in fact, cancel the memoir, which is an extraordinary thing to do once you've taken The only time this has ever happened to me was in France. I sold a book with Islamic villains and the editor left the publishing house and the new editor came in and said, we can't publish that. So they had to pay me, but they didn't publish the book. It was Empire of Lies, a great book. But this cancel culture what this cancel culture is, is it is the culture that is being fomented in our universities now coming out into the world. When these, those jobs at publishing houses are coveted jobs, when young people walk out on their jobs to get you to cancel a contract for political reasons or for any reason, for any reason, about a man who's done nothing, who has had no crime charges, he's been charged with no crime, he's done nothing that we know of, he's never been uh, convicted of anything, when they walk out, fire them. You fire them. You say, if you're not back at your desk in 20 minutes, you don't have a job here. You can fill those jobs in 10 minutes. They could, it, those jobs could be filled again by the end of the day with people just as competent as the people who walked out. They do this at the New York Times. They hold these town meetings when these young people come in and demand this or demand that. This is, this is spreading like a disease, cancel culture. I have no feeling about Woody Allen. I've never been a big Woody Allen fan, not since the the, uh, the one about Casablanca, uh, play it again, Sam. I've not been a big Woody Allen fan since then. But still, still, let the guy's a famous filmmaker. Let him publish his memoirs. You don't have to like him. You don't have to buy him. You don't have to read him. You can stand outside the bookstore and say, don't read this book. 
But really, to cancel a contract is, is basically harming the culture of free speech on which the First Amendment depends. I got to stop there. I'll be giving a speech in uh, Ames, Iowa, at the university in Ames, Iowa tonight. Uh, and I will still be here in the morning, but still talking to you through the miracle of whatever it is I'm using. Uh, now I do sound like Joe Biden. I'll see you then. I'm Andrew Clavin. This is The Andrew Clavin Show. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review and also tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knoll Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. And our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Assistant director, Pavel Wydowski. Edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup is by Jessua Alvera. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Clavin Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. Is coronavirus a pandemic or a dem panic? Should we lather ourselves in hand sanitizer to keep Kung flu away? Or is the left-wing media blowing the Wuhan virus out of proportion? We will examine the facts as well as other funny names for the public health crisis. Then Kamala Harris endorses a man she considers a vile racist. Hillary Clinton refuses to endorse anybody. And MSNBC's Brian Williams teams up with New York Times editorial board member Mara Gay to fail at basic arithmetic. All that and more, check it out on The Michael Knowles Show.